This episode of The Real Fit Podcast is brought to you by The Real Nourished Newsletter. Real Nourished, reinventing your relationship with food, is for you if you are ready to stop micromanaging your food and exercise so you can start fully showing up to your life. Each biweekly issue features evidence-based tools that will help reduce your food-related anxiety, improve your body image, and help you embrace exercise as a form of nourishment, not punishment. When you subscribe, you'll get my free guide, 11 Things You Can Do Right Now to Feel Better About Your Body. To get in on it, just click on the link in the show notes or visit my website, pam-more.com. Welcome to Real Fit, a podcast featuring real conversations with women athletes on topics including body image, confidence, enoughness, and so much more. I'm your host, Pam Moore. I'm an occupational therapist turned freelance health and fitness writer, weight neutral health coach, certified personal trainer, and a mom of two. And like you, I don't have time for bullshit. I created this show for every busy, badass woman who struggles with the question, am I enough? I'm here to tell you that you are. My goal is to share stories that will inspire you and let you know you're not alone. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Real Fit Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to help me cover my costs so I can keep bringing awesome content to your earbuds, you can show your gratitude by treating me to a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash pammore. You can also find that link in the show notes. Hey, and welcome back to The Real Fit Podcast. It's me, your host, Pam Moore, and as always, I am so grateful that you're here. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to reiterate how much it means to me when you tell your friends and your social networks about this podcast. When you text a friend and say, hey, this episode's awesome, I think you'd like it. When you screenshot the podcast and post it in your Instagram stories, when you post a link on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Facebook. That's how people find out about this show. And that's how you're helping me spread the message that diet culture sucks, hustle culture sucks. We are done being told that we're not good enough, that we're not thin enough, that we're not fast enough, that we're not making enough money, that we don't look young enough, like all this bullshit that's being fed to us and that's making us try so hard to be something that we're not or to be more than we already are, to look at ourselves as some kind of project that we're always looking for that version 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. You think when you get to like 5.0, you're going to be done. And then no, you could be even better. What about 6.0? And it like never ends. But the truth is, you're already enough just as you are. And that's what I'm here to say. That's the message I want to spread. So when you tell your friends that you like this and they should listen to it too, that's how we can spread this message. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Let's get into this 10-minute Tuesday. Coming to you as usual from my home office in sunny Boulder, Colorado, and I'm happy to say that it is a sunny day and I'm in a sunny mood, but if you got my most recent newsletter, you know that I haven't always been in a sunny mood. I had some days, some weeks even, it felt like forever when I was just feeling heavy, like in my heart, in my body. I just felt 
seriously blah. And um, and speaking of my newsletter, if you're not on my list, you can just go to pam-more.com and you should see an annoying pop-up that will ask you if you want to be on it. If you don't see the pop-up, click on any of the tabs and immediately to the right, there'll be um, a section where you can just get on there. And if you think you get my newsletter, but you're wondering why you never see it in your inbox, it might be going to your promos. Just search my name, and it, and if it is in your promo folder, if you're in Gmail, just drag it over to your primary, and then it should start showing up in your primary so you can actually see it. I only send it every other week. I try to keep it as short as possible. But anyways, if you get my newsletter, you know that I've been feeling real blah, and what I wanted to say in the newsletter and that I want to reiterate is that for so much of my life... I didn't know that it was just okay to feel bad. I didn't know that you didn't have to immediately do something to try to feel better. I think that it's great to have a lot of tools in your toolbox. Like some of my tools are going for a walk, journaling, processing. And by processing, I mean talking, right? Telling a friend, usually telling Dan. But that's why I have lots of friends because Dan, my husband, doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth to hear about everything because I want to say everything. So I have many people in my life that I'm thankful that I can call them and process things. I like to make things. As you know, I make this podcast. I write. I like to craft. I like to draw. But you don't have to just turn to a hobby or some distraction every time you're feeling bad. I remember when I had Bell's palsy, which I guess I still have Bell's palsy. I don't really know if you say, I mean, I should know I have it, but or I had it. <laughs> I was diagnosed in 2014. And what that means is half of my face became paralyzed really suddenly. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. I will link to that in the show notes if you want to hear more about that fucking terrible experience. But um, so half my face was paralyzed and my second child had just been born. It was like one of the worst times in my life. And on top of being sleep deprived and miserable and overwhelmed by the fact that I had a toddler and a newborn and now my face wasn't working and I didn't know if it would ever get better. And the only medication that we know of that could work is a steroid. And my doctor said, we don't know how that interacts with breastfeeding. And I felt that breastfeeding was more important. Would I make that decision again? I, I have no idea. But I didn't know if my face was ever going to get better. And it looked really, really creepy. And I'm not exaggerating. Just half of my face just wasn't being a face. It was drooping. And when I smiled, half would smile and half wouldn't. And it's not – and the reason I say I don't know if I had it or have it is because it hasn't completely gotten better. Like most people's, it will go away spontaneously in two weeks, maybe at the most six months. You know, long story short, mine didn't. And it's gotten a lot better over time. But in the beginning – it was awful. On top of being upset about where I was in my life, just exhausted and overwhelmed and a not working face, sometimes I would go, shit, my two-year-old is happy and healthy. My newborn is, if not happy, healthy, pretty healthy. She was not a happy baby. She was fussy. I mean, I had this beautiful home birth. I don't mean to sound like a hippie, but it really was a beautiful birth. The delivery itself was awesome. And my husband was able to take parental leave. Eventually he went back to work, but he had a nice leave. My parents came to help out. So I felt guilty about feeling bad. I felt like 
why do I feel so bad? I would go in these Bell's Palsy Facebook groups and people would be talking about all these other symptoms that I didn't have. Some people had headaches. Some people had a scratched cornea because they couldn't even blink right. Just a whole litany of things that I was thankful that I did not have. Some people had to go to work and or were interviewing for jobs and were like, oh, what will these people that are interviewing me think when they see me, you know, for the most part, I didn't really have to see anybody. My biggest outings were like, you know, walks to, with the baby. So I felt like I didn't have the right to feel bad. I look back on that time and I wonder, why did I make things worse for myself? Should I just let myself feel bad? I did have a right to feel bad. You have a right to feel however you feel. I mentioned in the newsletter when I was in my 20s, my neighbor, oh, I was obsessed with the neighbor. We were hooking up. I don't even know if we were dating. I don't even know what he would have said it was. But I had it bad for this guy. I really, really liked him. And I remember when he broke up with me, or I don't know if you can break up if you're not officially together. But I remember crying and just being so mopey about it, not just because I was sad that it hurt me that he rejected me, but... I felt partly like I didn't have the right to be upset because he was never officially my boyfriend and because we hadn't even been together for very long. I just didn't think I had a right to feel upset. Why add misery to misery? (laughs) Isn't it enough to just feel bad? Why do we have to beat ourselves up for feeling bad? You have every right to feel every feeling that you're having. I didn't know that. If that's something that resonates with you, that it's okay to feel your feelings, or if you want to know more about that, or you feel like you need a reminder, because even though I now know that, it always helps to have a reminder. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but I'm going to strongly recommend listening to my interview with Allison Rothman. I'm probably going to get her title wrong, but I think she's an embodiment coach. We talked a lot about how important it is to allow yourself to feel the feelings in her episode. I really love that one. So I'm going to link to that. I also think something that's really important to acknowledge when you feel that heaviness, whether it's because you're going through a loss, a breakup, or half your face gets paralyzed, or I feel like the heaviness I've been feeling recently kind of started, started on the day I found out that Russia invaded Ukraine. And it wasn't that I was doom scrolling. wasn't consuming a ton of news about it. I think it was sort of a collective energy. You know, similarly, somewhat similarly, with the when the pandemic started two years ago, yes, there was definitely the stress, the logistical, like, oh my God, there's no school. What's life going to look like? I can't go anywhere. That was absolutely stressful. And then there was also, I felt this other piece, this heaviness, the same thing that I think is to do with collective energy, that we all were feeling the same thing at the same time on my street, in my neighborhood, in my city, my state, our country, and around the globe. No matter what language you speak right now, coronavirus is probably on your mind. When it all started, back to that heaviness, it made me not want to do anything. Like I've seen in a lot of my Facebook groups for writers, a lot of women say things like, I just had a baby and I just can't write. I just can't be creative. That's so common. But what's really interesting is it's totally normal. I mean, you probably knew on some level that it's normal to not feel creative or generative or to have a lot of 
energy to engage in expansive, optimistic thinking when you're going through something. But science actually backs that up. I had a really interesting chat this morning with a neuroscientist out of uh, Bar-Ilan University in Israel. And this guy, I love talking to academics when I'm, and this, I was talking to him for a story I'm writing for the Washington Post, but I really love talking to academics for stories because these people are so geeky about something so specific. And I say geeky with a lot of love. I admire the geekiness. They're so into this one thing. They've probably researched it a million times, just different aspects of it. They've spent their life studying this thing. So they love to talk about it. They get so lit up and that energy is so contagious. I just love it. So I was talking to the scientist about why it's important to let our minds wander. I will link to this article when it's uh, when it's live. But we were talking about the, the importance of mind wandering. What can mind wandering do for us? And he said that it enhances creativity. And we know from science that it's a lot harder to be creative when you're under a lot of mental load. Uh, another way of saying mental load is stress, cognitive demands. So for example, I don't know, thinking about caring for a baby, a toddler, having half your face paralyzed, dealing with a pandemic, somebody broke up with you, going through a loss, gearing up for another surge of Omicron. Lots of reasons why we have a high cognitive or mental load. And the scientist was telling me that he conducted an experiment in his lab where they gave people cognitive tasks of varying degrees of load, like different amounts of stress. So for example, they had people keep two numbers in their head or keep seven numbers in their head. And then what they had people do was they'd give them a word and say, what do you think of when when you hear this word? The easier the tasks that the other task that they were being asked to do was, the more generative and interesting and creative their response was. So for example, when the people were asked to keep seven different numbers in their head, if someone said to them, dog, they'd say cat or treat, right? Or like sparky, something that's like very connected to dog. Whereas when they asked the same person, you know, when I say black to you, and now they're only thinking of two numbers, instead of saying white or instead of saying night, they would think of something that was like like eight jumps away instead of one jump away. Does that make sense? The thing is, creativity happens when our mind wanders. And the bigger the leap your mind can make from thought to thought, when we're in a space where we can leap from point A, not to point B, but to point F or even point M, or Z, that's when we're thinking really generatively and creatively. And that's when the juices are flowing. And that actually energizes us, which I think we know. I can tell you during the pandemic, right when it started, I went from this feeling of, oh my God, like I don't even want to wake up in the morning. Forget about being creative. To somehow when my mood lifted, when I, I guess I, I don't know what changed, something must have shifted. And I felt like I had more mental capacity to be creative that was when I wrote my ebook, Seven Pitches That Sold. Just writing that ebook gave me so much joy and so much energy. And I'm not talking about how it felt to post it on social media and get the likes or how it felt to put it on Gumroad and make my first few sales. It wasn't that. 
even before it was complete, just the process, everything about it just made me feel good. And the same researcher that I talked to said, yes, data bears that out. He said that they created two lists of words and one list of words was kind of tightly associated words that kind of you would think go together like dog, cat, kibble, doghouse, leash, all the things you might normally kind of that you think go with the word dog. They had a list like that. And then they had another list of words that were much more unrelated to each other, random, like wave, bench, doghouse. What they found was by merely reading the different lists of words, people reported that they were in a slightly better mood after simply reading the more expansive list of words. The researchers said, you know, this strongly suggests that expansive thinking and creativity impact mood. So we know this. It's kind of cool. I'm going to link to that research in the show notes. What I'm trying to say here is kind of twofold. So one, let yourself feel your feelings. It's okay. You have permission. You don't need permission, but in case you do, you got it. Number two, don't feel guilty about feeling bad. That's that's kind of a correlate to number one. Number two, don't feel bad about feeling bad. Number three, don't feel bad if you don't feel energized when you're already feeling bad. Because science tells us it's really hard to do that. We don't do that. By the same token, if you can find an opening, if things shift or clear just enough so that you can find it in you to make or do something, that can really shift your energy and change your mood. It doesn't have to be something big. I think making an ebook is kind of an extreme example. I'm not like suggesting it. If you're in a bad spot, I'm not like, oh my God, you know what you should do? Write a 32-page ebook. No, no. But do something small. When I, I was feeling like I was just struggling to hang on during the pandemic while I was trying to do my work and trying to homeschool my kids and just feeling like, wow, all I'm doing here is taking on the assignments that my editors and clients are giving me, but I'm not... This was before I launched the podcast. I felt like oh, I'm not like making anything that matters. I'm not making anything that's fueling my soul. And my coach, who's awesome, I'll link to her website in the show notes. Her name is Leela. Leela had some really good advice for me. She said, what is the minimum thing? What is the absolute smallest, tiniest, minimal thing that you could do each day that would make you feel creative? Could you do that? Could you do that tiny, tiny thing? And I thought, yeah, I think I think I could do that. And I did that. <laughs> that could mean anything from like writing my morning pages, which is just three pages of stream of consciousness journaling. That could mean drawing. One of my daughters, she loves this game where you shut your eyes and you scribble and then you trade papers. And so you get your partner's scribble and you make anything you want out of it. To me, even planting a bulb is creative. To me, cleaning a closet can feel really creative. That's just like, what? what's the smallest step you can take? Like, let's be easy on ourselves and acknowledge that, yeah, you're not going to be feeling super creative when you have a lot of mental load. And at the same time, if you can take some things off your plate, if there's a small opening for creativity, what can you do with it? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Fit. If you like what you're hearing, I would appreciate it so much 
If you haven't already, rate this podcast, review it, subscribe, and tell a friend. That helps me spread the message that you are already enough. If you're not already on my email list, please consider this my personal invitation. You're invited to join my email list. When you join, you're going to get a free gift. It is my guide called 11 Things You Can Do Right Now to Feel Better in Your Body. You'll also get exclusive subscriber-only content in your email. You can find that link in the show notes, or you can visit my website, pam-more.com. If you're ready to stop obsessing about exercise, food, and the shape and size of your body, and you want to start living your life in a way that is truly aligned with your values, I can help. I'm a weight-neutral health coach with a background as an occupational therapist and as a certified personal trainer. To learn more about how I can help you through one-on-one coaching, visit pam-more.com. You can also find that link in the show notes. And if you have anything you want to tell me about this podcast, if there are topics you don't want to hear any more about, questions that you have, topics you do want to hear more about, let me know. Send your emails to me at pam at pam-more.com. I'm also on Instagram at pammore303 and on Twitter at pammorewriter. Again, thank you so much for listening with much gratitude. Until next time, keep it real.